The circle of board gaming, I think we call this the FLGS, the Friendly Local Game Store. No, I didn't expect uh, Sentry Box to be the way it is now. Remembering when Gord was uh, wholesaling and selling out of the back of his uh, vehicle. Lo and behold, he had all sorts of games and dice and everything he could want in his trunk of his car. And there was a little hole in the wall. A little box of mystery, uh, a lot of things kind of uh, going on there that you didn't quite understand, but as like, uh, as a kid, you were like, yeah, I, I want to be a part of this. Don't forget, 25 years ago, gaming was not that big a deal, let alone 40 years ago. They went crazy, and they keep expanding, they keep shifting. When someone comes in, and they've never seen the store before, and you see them pause and watch and look. Joining me on Moving Radio today are, is a couple of people who are involved with a film that is going to be a big part of the Calgary Underground Film Festival this year. That's right, it's your 19th annual Calgary Underground Film Festival. Uh, it's going to be taking place from April 28th all the way through to May 1st. And one of the big films that's featured as part of it is uh, got deep local roots in it. It's called Friendly Local Game Store. And joining us today on Moving Radio is not only the director and producer, Gary Snow, but also the owner of the Century Box, which is actually the subject of the film, uh, is Gordon Johansson. Gentlemen, both of you, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christian. Appreciate being Thank here. You. Yeah, it's good having you here. Now, what's exciting about this is that, of course, you're part of the first, uh, you know, in-person and hybrid festival that Cuff has had since the pandemic happened, right? And you're going to be screening on Thursday, April 28th at 6.30 p.m., which is going to be a fantastic event, not only because they're screening your film, but because both of you will be there and some of the participants in the film will be there as well. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, too. But for anybody that wants to stream it, you can catch it online at calgaryundergroundfilmfestival.org from April 29th and May 1st. So for anybody outside of Calgary, because I'm sure a lot of people that live there already know, uh, you know, we have a little bit of a wider reach. So why don't you let people know exactly, not what the film is necessarily, but uh, what the Sentry Box is. And I guess probably, Gordon, you're the best place to start with that. Basically, we're kind of an old school game store. Been doing it 42 years now. We started from 450 square feet, went up to the current 19,000 over a few moves. And we sell board games like Settlers of Catan, all the European-style ones, Dungeons & Dragons, all the role-playing games, the miniatures. We have a science fiction book section with about 7,000 titles in, which really doesn't make any money, but it's okay. I like books and book people. You know, you got to have some perks for owning the store. Historical board games, uh, books, and miniatures for that, as well as uh, in the front section of the store, kind of in a separate part of the building, we have the things like Magic the Gathering and Pokemon collectible card games, the Japanese ones. Gary, you know, what gave you the idea that you saw that there was a film there uh, within this store, an origin story, if you will, uh, within the Century Box in Calgary? Well, I moved to Calgary in 2013, and I was unaware of the Century Box. And I randomly uh, discovered it on a walk. And uh, for me, I grew up as a Dungeons and Dragons nerd, uh, my whole life so i saw the dragon on the outside of the building and i was immediately intrigued and i went well what is this and uh so i went to explore and as some of the documentary captures like when you go in there you are absolutely blown away it is a mecca of 
being a game store. And I couldn't believe that I had lived in uh, Calgary for, you know, probably a year at that time. And I didn't even know what it existed. And so when I saw it, I, I went, this is just unbelievable. And I kind of cataloged that in my mind that there's got to be some really good story as to why Calgary has such a, an amazing game store. I had had a brief encounter with it one time when I was in Calgary. I don't get down there as much as I probably should. And so I was aware of it, but I never really considered that idea. Like I was kind of in awe of all of it. It's almost so much to take in. Like the store and the film does service it to give it as being incredible, um, you know, immersive experience for anybody that hasn't been there before. So, I mean, there is kind of a cinematic element to just the way that you, you know, the store has been designed, decorated and housed and just the way it looks. But I think probably even more central to it is this kind of idea of community and that stores like the Century Box and, and similar other ones, whether whatever they cater to as an audience, uh, creates a sense of community. So maybe both of you discuss, uh, Gordon, from you being in the inside of it, creating it, and Gary, for you as being kind of the observer from the outside, talk to us about how community is this incredibly important thematic theme line throughout the film friendly local game store well when we moved into this location 27 years ago now it was basically brick walls cement floor and uh, a tin roof some of the pictures that gary shows in the documentary really kind of highlight what we had to do to make it what it was and even then it was pretty bare walls and stuff it was just big and over the years we've added the decor but when i we kind of had to lay out the whole design of it. And one of the things that was always important to me was that our mezzanine area was basically designed for people to play games. We had a separate back room in there. Uh, we always called it the after hours room because clubs could meet there and it has separate exit and its own bathroom. And so it was always kind of integral to the design. I did not expect it to go quite as crazy as it has over the last few years with the whole um, gaming culture and it's proved its worth. We actually had to extend our hours just to allow people more time to play the games up there. It got so crowded on some days. And then uh, I, I guess for me, the community part of it is like one of the key factors of the documentary. I mean, the, the store is amazing. The community that's grown around the store is amazing. But I also wanted to cover the why, why games are such an important topic or hobby for a lot of different people and uh, so I wanted to delve into that and you could see just the love and passion that people bring to their hobbies and how people from different backgrounds could come together for you know it doesn't matter where you're from you know, your background your ethnicity uh, you know what languages you speak when you come to the the table and you play a game it's a it's a common activity that everybody can do together and it it builds relationships and those relationships just extend beyond that gaming table to the broader community. And I think Gord's done a fantastic job building that community around the Sentry Box over, you know, 40 plus years. And you can, you know, just interviewing all the different uh, subjects in the documentary, you can just see the love of that community throughout every interview. The film we're talking about today is called Friendly Local Game Store. You can catch it as part of the Calgary Underground Film Festival. And if you happen to be in Calgary or you happen to be traveling there, you can see it in person Thursday, August 28th at 6.30 p.m. where there'll be a Q&A following the film. But if you happen to live outside of Calgary or can't make it down there as well, it is streamable on demand through the Calgary Underground Festival uh, film uh, website all the way through to May 1st. One of the people 
that I was really fascinated with, who has, you know, a bit of their fingerprints on the store as well, is designer uh, Cam Lorian, who also kind of, you know, created some of the things that make, you know, as much as the people makes the place come alive, I feel like Cam is one of those elements that help make the walls come alive. Talk to yeah. us a little bit about that visual impact of the store, Gordon, and maybe for you, Gary, how you felt like that was a really important element to discuss in the film. Well, it was, it was funny, actually, because it all started with Cam approaching me eight years ago, because uh, he'd been working for us since he was, what, 16 or something, 17. He had an idea. He said, I did this for a house. And he had this Egyptian themed, you know, with the hieroglyphics and all that. And I think it would look cool if we did something up there. And I must have been in a good mood or been feeling kind of flush that day, because I said, okay, let's give it a shot. And we kind of started with, a, you know, 40 feet of wall. It kind of just went from there. I mean, it looked cool. It had nothing to do with what uh, we sell or anything. Maybe one or two games with an Egyptian theme. But it was just kind of cool uh, to do it. And he had staff up there, names, you know, in hieroglyphics and weird things like that. My daughters are the girls sitting on the thrones. There's even a TIE fighter and a Death Star kind of hidden in one corner if you have to look for it. So it, it's kind of, and just from there, it's like, oh, that worked. Let's try this. And we just kind of fiddled around with it over the years. And it was good for him because it led to other jobs for him, which he charges a lot more than I will pay him for this. But the funniest thing I think about it is that it's people want to have, you know, it feels like they have a piece of the store this way. It's not just Cam. It's other people who have done different things. It's cool to have something in there, you know, whether it's painted miniatures or whatever. It's a little hard to get used to, you know, I just think of it as the store and it's uh, not a big deal, even though I'm a gamer myself and have been for all these years. Um, but I've come to accept that it's means as much to many of my customers as it does to me. That's why I can't retire. And, you know, it goes back to when I first entered the store and I saw the the decorations and, you know, I encourage people to go check out the Sentry Box if you haven't been in there before, because it, it is like a theme park or, uh, you know, I always say it's like the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory. You go in there, you're in the middle of something just amazing and you you feel it right away and you go, I, you know, the, the care and thought that went into making the store look the way it does and Cam's skill and all the other people that have helped out over the years to make it look a certain way and make it feel a certain way. I think it just adds to the experience and, uh, and it really is immersive. Like you go in there and you just like, it just oozes, you know, fun creativity. And, you know, it has, uh, you know, the Darth Vader and the uh, Warhammer 40 K statues. And like, it's just got so much, you can just wander around the store and, uh, and people do, they, they wander there for hours and just like poke around. It's, it's just a fun place to be. Yeah, no, one of the things I'd love for you to both kind of discuss with me is, you know, how you feel the importance of gaming has kind of factored in clearly Gordon for you. It's deep, right? It's become central to your life and also for you, Gary. But one of the things that I think is really fascinating too, is just how there has been growth in this industry when really everything that's happened has seemed to kind of like attempt to undermine it, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's the explosion of online gaming uh, on various different levels, there still is something 
really personal about that connection of sitting down with other people and connecting in that regard and being creative uh, in a way that doesn't sometimes other video games don't allow you to be. So talk to us a little bit about what you think is you know at the core that keeps people coming back and also keeps more generations of other people coming back and keeps a store like the Century Box alive. There's a couple things for a lot of people they've grown up with it over the years and second generation and third generation in some case customers uh, I didn't know until Gary's movie uh, or documentary that two of my current female staff actually used to get brought in by their fathers they <laughs> didn't even realize it but a lot of people you know they, they make reference nowadays to things called the third place right you know you've got work you've got home and then that's somewhere else whatever it happens to be it might be the bar might be the golf course for a lot of people it's the sentry box um and in many ways when you get sick or something or down you have a comfort food that you eat or in the winter time to a certain degree we're a comfort store for people they come in they know they can talk to people like completely random people and say oh i like this game or whatever if they see somebody looking at it or the history guys will go off on all sorts of tangents or their latest D&D game or whatever. Um, it's just that kind of relationship that people instantly, like it's just something everybody has in common. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing. And the games themselves, they're, they can be competitive or not competitive. And even if they're competitive, they can be just fun. And I think the biggest change over the years has been the shifting genders. And that has made a huge difference from the old days when it was 95% guys. Um, now you're looking at the numbers, you know, 50-50 for Euro games, probably close to that. I know it was at least 43 pandemic percent for women players for D&D and role-playing games. So it it's just doesn't matter who you are anymore. I mean, we have kids games in there because I had kids. That's why they showed up and ooh, snakes and ladders got boring after a while. <laughs> And as far as like online gaming, I mean, I think geeks or nerd culture, they, they've always been attracted to online, you know, right from the early days of the internet. But there's something special about being together with somebody in person. And, and at least in the circles that I travel in, which is more like the tabletop role-playing games, like the Dungeons and Dragons and that kind of thing. Yeah, you, you can play online. But I think a lot of people feel that it's just not, the same, you know, just having that connection when you're at a table with somebody. So I'm sure everybody is very happy to kind of get back to kind of the norm, you know, fingers crossed that we can. Um, but I think there's there's something about the camaraderie that comes from just being at the table and those like little inside jokes. And I mean, I've interviewed lots of people about role playing games over the years. And the one thing that kind of keeps coming up is people have memories of certain moments in each game that they will remember for years like we're talking like you know teenagers that will meet up when in their 40s and talk about oh do you remember when i rolled that 20 on that drag you know fighting the dragon or whatever like people really take it seriously and that relationship that they build through the game itself is the most important thing a lot of it too is like Gary says, even if you're having to do it online now, because you used to play together when you were younger and then people move apart, that gives them that connection still. Maybe four out of the six people are at the table and you've got two people uh, Skyping in or whatever. I know 
yes, last night we were doing that with my daughter who's doing a movie down in the Dominican Republic right now. And the internet was a little iffy and we all hated her for the beach shots that she was flashing. <laughs> so she's playing D&D on the beach on her phone. But it really makes that connection. And as a parent, I don't worry now about what, I'm, what are the kids going to do or the grandkids when they come over for a visit as we get older. We've got the games we can always play. Whereas when I grew up, if I couldn't play Crokinole with my brother, there was nothing else to do at my grandmother's place. Um, so it, it is one of those things that is really good. And a lot of people now also realize the educational benefits for it. You know, they won't tell their kids that, but uh, it, it is good. And, you know, they've done studies that show that things like dementia are down 15% in people who play games. Most of them say like, wow, or oh my gosh, I'm gonna like pull out their phone and ask if it's okay to take a photo. I'm like, absolutely, please do. You're just like presented with this <laughs> plethora of nerdum. We want this to be a place that people find cool, find, you know, they want to come here. When a customer comes in and they're like, oh, wow, that is so cool. You kind of have to be like, you're right. It's so cool. Say goodbye to your wallet. <laughs> and to your free time, you're going to get hobbies. <laughs> you know, Gary, one of the things that, that I find intriguing, especially in a project like this for yourself, as you know, a relatively new filmmaker and somebody that came out of, uh, if I'm correct, the 48-hour filmmaking challenge for Cuff, right? In approaching this film, how were you looking at it as a director so that you felt like it could come off with the kind of visual style and reflect what the Sentry Box is for you and capture that spirit beyond just like, you know, interview, shoot the shop. You know, I'm sure that was a nut that you had to crack. And then for yourself, Gordon, after that, were you were you worried about somebody else controlling the narrative of telling what the store was to you? Or did that kind of excite you because you wanted to hear what that outside perspective would be of looking at what the Sentry Box means to so many other people. My journey into like why I approached Gordon in the first place was, uh, you know, I do marketing and communications and I make a lot of kind of corporate talking head videos over my career. And, uh, but I found myself uh, like many others uh, without a job in the middle of the pandemic. And I tried to think of like, well, what are all the things that I've wanted to do, but I just never had the opportunity to, uh, but due to time constraints or whatever, the first one that jumped to my mind was to approach Gord. So I sent him a random email out of the blue to just go, Hey, here's, here's something that I was thinking about doing. And, you know, to, to Gord's credit, he heard me out. And so when I started in on that and, you know, we have developed a relationship along the way and, you know, built that trust because you built up a, a legacy of 42 years plus as a business. And the last thing you want is for somebody to, come in and destroy that so for me I took that as an you know an honor to be able to tell the story of the century box so I I approached it like that and everybody that spoke like I, I treated that like very personally that they were sharing their their stories with me so and you know Gordon being so open about it and everybody at the store being so helpful about it and and people were like really lined up to share their stories because the, the store meant that much to them. I mean, I do remember getting the email from Gary initially. In all honesty, we get a fair amount of things like this. Usually it's state students or Mount Royal or some university business course or something like that. You know, the state people want to do a commercial, which we'll never see the light of day. But I always want to support that kind of stuff. So I didn't know what to expect. 
from Gary. And, you know, I've seen some videos before that people have shot on an amateur basis. Like I said, I wasn't expecting a lot. And boy, was I blown away. Like he, I could not have imagined the quality of anything better, I, I guess. It's like just the shots when I see the equipment, I'm going, what do you mean we can't talk down on the main level if you're up there? Because his mics are so good. I remember that. The phone rang or somebody said something. We had to redo the shoot. So it was so professionally done that it was a little, I don't want to say out of my comfort zone, but out of my expectations. Uh, so let's put it that way. And yeah, and he just did such an amazing job. And he showed me the original hour long uh, video initially uh, just to make sure everything was okay. And so I remember watching that and going, there's this one spot. That was one spot in the whole 60 minutes that I thought, we need to clarify that a little bit, just so a customer isn't confused about something. You don't just walk in and get a game played with you automatically, <laughs> which was the one thing in there. So I think that was it was such a hugely pleasant surprise. Like pleasant doesn't really describe it, but it was just amazing to watch. And, and I think his you biggest know, disappointment was he couldn't get me to get emotional through this whole film. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I and I tried and I tried and. <laughs> um, to circle back, I didn't answer the question about uh, Cuff. Uh, so I've participated in uh, the Calgary Underground Film Festival's 48-hour film festival maybe three times now. And I really appreciate what the Calgary Underground Film Festival does. And when I shot this, my goal was to be in this festival. Like, that's how much I appreciate Cuff because they do such a phenomenal job growing talent within the community. And so... I, you know, I participated in those 48 hour film festivals, I would not want to see those videos again, because you know that the whole point of it is you're learning and you make mistakes and you have to shoot in 48 hours. But when eventually me and Gord said, okay, it's kind of done. And I said, I want it to be on the 48 hour film festival. So I'm going to submit it there and, and, you know, fingers crossed and hope for the best. And, you know, here we are. We're discussing the film friendly local game store and our guests today are Gary Snow director producer of the film and Gordon Johansson who is the subject of the film and more specifically the store that he owns and operates called the Sentry Box. One of the exciting things about this film is that if you happen to be in Calgary you can actually go see it in person at the premiere where there's going to be lots of people from the store uh, and who are featured in the film. That's going to happen on Thursday April 28th at 6 30 p.m. Both of you will be there for a Q&A. What does it mean to both of you to be able to not only share this with the audience that had a part in making it and being part of it but just being part of that kind of an extension of another community, right? Of a cinematic, of a film community on top of, you know, what you've created at the Century Box. What's your feelings about being able to premiere this in Calgary in front of all those people? As I mentioned, I'm just a huge fan of Cuff. I'm grateful for the opportunity to present there and the opportunity to share it with everybody that's been in the documentary. You know, that was one of the, the key things is like, when they shared their stories, I kept going like, I want to, watch them you know see the movie for the first time or at least be around because they did such a phenomenal job like that for me is the main thing is yeah it's great to have the, the movie in uh, cuff but for me it's their story and Gord's story and the store story that I really am happy to to bring to life so as far as it being a premiere and everybody that's been involved for the most part are going to be there I'm, I'm very excited by that I think the closest I could get to 
the feeling is when we went and saw the premiere of uh, the movie Lloyd the Conqueror, that they had a seven scene shot in the store pre fancy decor days. So and now I look at it and go, oh man, those walls look so plain and things. And so and that was really cool to do that. So I expect this kind of not so much me because I wasn't in the Lloyd thing. Uh, and even in this one, I'm not really that big of a subject of the film in, in a lot of ways. It's mostly talking to customers and things, which I think is the way it should be. Because if without the customers, I would not have a store and without their loyalty. And as an example, we had a break in then the minor one. And we haven't had very many because we're like brick walls everywhere. But the reactions from people on that when we kind of just said, be careful, you know, there might be glass around, et cetera. Um, by the front doors. I mean, they were like literally almost mob because they feel that kind of ownership and kind of like the way Gary does for the, probably the film as he produces it. And you know, the, the end result is like, I did that. I affected those people and made them feel that way. And that gives you a pretty good feeling. So I expect this to be the same kind of thing for me. Look, Gary, you, uh, you even put some of your family on the, on the job there, for sure. Whether it's your daughter, <laughs> was it Zoe and Skylar also you put to work? I'm, uh, I'm sure you yeah, paid we, them. They paid them over like union scale, right? Like they got a little extra, right? They, they get uh, bonus uh, potato chips and uh, junk food on the weekends. But yeah, I, it was... Uh, definitely like a family affair um i had my two daughters helping out and uh so you know it's kind of nice that it is something that i could share with them and i know uh, you know gord's two daughters are also you know featured in the documentary so uh, there's like a lot of symmetry there and uh you know that also speaks to just even their love and their history of the store and how they viewed it it was it was quite interesting to see that intergenerational memory i guess yeah and i think what makes this film transcend on several different levels is that it it is mostly about that community it is about that family that extended family that that gordon has created that gary that you've captured that can speak to an audience that maybe has zero context for the sentry box outside of it or even for gaming itself uh i think that the people and their passion clearly uh, bleeds out onto the screen and that's what makes it a really captivating film so uh you know congratulations on you for gary for putting it all together and and gordon for building it and making it happen so i'm excited for both of you to be able to see this Thank you. I, just as a one last quick comment, I think one of my customers probably gave me the strongest indication ever of how much the store meant to him because it's almost two years ago now. He called me middle of July to say, I want to say goodbye. I've got 10 days till I pull the plug. And we chatted for about an hour and he just was so happy uh, to make that call. And that one was pretty impactful and we like i said i was talking as long as he wanted to talk but uh, his wife afterwards said yeah he just loved coming in the store he could talk to people wherever because he was a talker and just the environment and you know to have that kind of impact on somebody it gets to you i kind of asked a couple people in the interview is it's very much like it's a wonderful life if if gord wasn't here to make the sentry box what would calgary and the gaming community in calgary look like and that brought up like a lot of emotion that that simple question of what would their life look like without the sentry box and you know gord's devotion to it 
Absolutely. The film we've been discussing today on Moving Radio is Friendly Local Game Store. Our guests have been Gary Snow, the director and producer of the film. It's a documentary about a store called The Century Box, and the owner, who's also been a guest on it and is subject to the documentary, is Gordon jo- Johansson. Uh, you can see it in Calgary if you want as part of the Calgary Underground F- International, pardon me, the Calgary Underground Film Festival on April 28th at 6.30 p.m. Or more importantly, if you live outside of Calgary or you just can't make it down to the theater, you can stream this film through the website of Cuff, the Calgary Underground Film.org from April 29th all the way through to May 1st. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. It was a really incredible pleasure watching the film and getting to know uh, more details about the store. And I just, I love films like this that speak on so many different levels of, about people who are truly passionate about whatever it is that they're following. So congratulations on the film and uh, best of luck because I know this is probably just the first step in many steps, Gary, uh, for this film. Thanks, Christian. Well, thank you very much.